fellow marketers. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by themarketinghelp.co, your number one resource for proactively advancing your marketing career. Uh, so quick thank you to our premium sponsor, that's LinkedIn Learning. And if you haven't started to prepare for your upskilling in your marketing career, whether that's this year or getting ready for next year, well, now's your time. Uh, all you need to do is go to themarketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn Learning. Uh, the marketinghelp.co forward slash LinkedIn learning. And there you'll find a, a curated list of videos and courses uh, for the marketing skills that matter. And no reason not to get started with that today. All right. So super excited about our guest today. And I'll tell you why. And that's because we've heard from a lot of you in our community, you know, giving us some feedback about the remote working situation, right? So your marketing team has been distributed. You're, you're trying to get nestled into that new marketing position. And we've heard these things from all of you, right? The, the screen fatigue. Gosh, when does it end? All the screens that you're looking at on a daily basis. You know, think about the lack of communication with management. Uh, some of you have uh, had some issues there. Uh, but also it's the um, onboarding experiences for those that have started a new marketing position that is remote. Uh, heard some horror stories about what you guys are experiencing there. But even... The marketing managers, those that have, have curated and, and done a successful job getting your team set up remotely, guess what? Now some of you guys are losing your, your star players because I think you know there, there could be some challenges that you're facing from a management layer. So bottom line here is virtual work, what we're hearing is, is harder than ever, which I think we all can, can align with no matter what the level is in your marketing role. So what do we do? We decide to invite the virtual leadership expert. Her name is Sasha Cohen, and she's going to be uh, a guest on the episode today. Some quick background on Sasha. She is the CEO of Virtual Work Insider, and that's a consultancy that coaches organizations to work seamlessly across distance, across any distance, really. So they really focus on training remote, hybrid, and geographically distributed teams within large companies like Toyota, Vanguard, and a bunch of leading agencies. Uh, Sasha has 18 plus years of working on both agency and client side. She'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. And eight years of, of uh, experiencing uh, leading large distributed teams fully remotely. So again, you can only imagine you know, how that has been, how tough that has been, but also know that Sasha's got a great perspective on this, uh, especially how to be successful as a virtual marketer. So guys, if you're struggling in your remote marketing role, you're going to get a ton of tips in the episode today that you'll be able to execute on immediately. So there's also a, a ton of uh, uh, value and resources we're going to be sharing in the show notes. So check those out as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sasha Connor. All right, Sasha, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Eric. So a um, couple things, you know, it's so excited to have you here today because, you know, in feedback we've been getting from our audience, especially when it comes to working remotely, there's specific challenges that we've been hearing. And again, super excited to have you join us today because, you know, managing up, managing down, how do you navigate effectively in the virtual workspace and marketing teams that are typically in the office together or have some sort of structure that allows for that personal interaction is now gone. And again, very excited to have you join us, um, especially given your background and, and the teams that you've worked with, especially within a marketing context. So let's just kick off today and just, you know, let us hear more about your story and let us know how you ended up 
you know, your your path to getting to uh, virtual work insider today, but also what is the what are the problems that you're solving uh, with virtual work insider? Well, I love talking about that intersection of remote work and marketing. And that's because I spent 18 years working in marketing. So I have, I have a background in marketing, both agency side and client side. And I, I started my career actually in advertising. So I started my career in a small agency outside of Philadelphia called Baki Communications, which I loved working in this small agency atmosphere because you get to have your hands in everything. I was in account management. And then I moved up to the big leagues. I moved to Goodby Silverstein and Partners in San Francisco. Wow. And that was kind of what you think of as in terms of that quintessential agency atmosphere where there was dogs running around the office. There was a a ping pong court and a badminton court on my floor. And there's beer in the vending machines for, for a quarter. And, you know, it was everything that you think in terms of being kind of a, a young, um, a young worker, you know, working in the agency biz. But what I realized was that I was really a client side marketer at heart. <laughs> and mm. so after a couple of years, agency side, I just decided to move over to the Clorox company. And Clorox is is, um, headquartered in Oakland, California, so in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I just went kind of across the bay to Clorox, and I found my people. Like I got over there, and I was like, this is the kind of culture that I was built for. Uh, I felt like the, the leadership opportunities were amazing. The people were so smart. And I got to work on 360 degrees of marketing. So uh, thinking more than just the advertising, but also new product innovation. I got to work in sales roles. I helped with pricing strategy and and and, and just really that full experience of how do you build a product and market a product. So this is where my my remote story kind of comes into play now. So I I spent 14 years at Clorox, eight of which I was working fully remotely. So back in 2010, after I'd been at the company for about six years, my husband and I had our first child and we decided that we wanted to live closer to our family, which was in the Philadelphia area. And I thought that that meant I was going to have to make a choice, whether to stay with a company that I loved in the the Bay Area or move near my family that I love, which is in the Philadelphia area. But it turns out I didn't have to make that choice. I had a bold idea, which was to ask if I could keep my job and do it from Philadelphia from 3,000 miles away. And back in 2010, that was unheard of. That was unheard of within consumer packaged goods marketing. That was unheard of within Clorox. But luckily, I had a really, I had a good reputation and a good relationship with the chief marketing officer. And he said, okay, you can be an experiment for us. Let's see how this works. So that led to me leading large distributed teams for eight years from my home office in the Philly suburbs. So I can now you know, talk a little bit about what, what we're doing with Virtual Work Insider, if that's where you'd like sure. to yeah. head next. Yeah. yeah. So uh, across those eight years of me working remotely, I learned a lot. So it was a very large learning curve at first. I had to relearn how to do everything from a distance. And sometimes I felt like I had a hand tied behind my back. Sometimes I felt like I was blindfolded. Because you think back in 2010, there there really weren't a lot of the tech tools that we have today that help us with that connectivity. So video conferencing was really, really new back then, for example. 
And so much of that work, and as you said, Eric, like that work, that creative work, that collaborative work is done synchronously in huddle rooms and war rooms together. And back in 2010, that was the case. So I had to find ways to actually make sure that I stayed top of mind, that I was able to influence, that I was in all of those conversations to be able to do my job well and lead my teams. So in 2018, I decided that I was going to launch my my company, Virtual Work Insider. And the reason I did that was because I'm trained as a marketer and an innovator. And what we're trained to do is see unmet needs. Mm-hmm. And to look for solutions that can uniquely fill those needs. And I was seeing this unmet need where I was getting pulled into conversations both internally at Clorox and also externally to speak at conferences, to speak at other companies about how to work in these virtual teams. So the, the light bulb that had gone off for me was it wasn't about working fully remotely at the time. It was about even just helping teams work across distance from office site to office site from agency to client relationship, which are virtual relationships, people were really struggling with how do we work, lead, communicate, collaborate across distance. And that's why I said, you know what, I'm uniquely able to fill that need because I've worked in these large, you know, Clorox is a $6 billion company, over a hundred year old company. And there are not many like me who have an experience of working in this remote environment for such a large traditional company and these other large traditional companies and now even, you know, more, um, you know, smaller, newer companies are needing the skills to be able to work across distance. Yeah. I mean, that's a couple of things about your background, which is, which is interesting to me. First of all, ahead of your time in terms of navigating the working across distance, as you put it, which I think is a great way to look at it. Uh, But also it's recognizing that, as you say, in 2010, the market was not conditioned to know how to best work with teams that were not located in the same room. So again, you know, your CMO told you that you'd be the test case. And sure enough, um, you were probably learning a ton on a daily basis, which is great. Um, you know, so that's that's interesting to see how you were kind of, you know, ahead of the curve to be in that position, which I have to imagine you've You've, t- you've taken away so many learnings, uh, again, having worked inside in an office, especially an agency, in-house as a, in a marketer, and then now as a remote marketer or somebody working across distance, you must have chock full, I mean, again, reasons to start Virtual Work Insider, but you must have tons of, of uh, examples and things that you've tested that have worked to kind of um, be more effective when working across distance. That's actually why I named the company Virtual Work Insider, because I I have that inside view and and the the team that works with me within my company too all have that inside view to be able to bring battle-tested strategies and tactics to teams to help them up that learning curve. Remote work is hard. So I'm about to hit my 10-year remote anniversary in December, (laughs) 10 years of remote work. And I'm still learning things every day about how to do this effectively. And so I know that it's hard, and that's why we want to help teams to teach them some skills, some new ways of working to help them jump a little bit higher up that curve, especially now during a global pandemic, which I, when I started the business, I never thought that this obviously was going to happen. But I am happy that we exist to be able to help people during this, this rapid transition to remote work. Yeah, and I like that insider take because, again, you you have, you know, the playbooks, and you have the been there, done that sort of um, 
documentation that can help others navigate what is, in most cases, first time ever, you know, trying to operate effectively virtually. So for our audience listening, knowing that there has been some, you know, marketing teams that have become distributed, you know, overnight, so to speak, or over the course of a couple of weeks, um, you know, what is it that, you know, what, what are the greatest challenges that they're facing that they may not even know are, are going to be coming? And, you know, what is the recommendation to those, maybe it's the, the younger marketer uh, and the VP or executive, you know, what are some things you can share with them to know, like, hey, you, you're going to need to figure this out because you're, you're working across distance. So first, let's start with this is not normal remote work. So this is remote work during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, normal remote work, you know, when I first started the, my company and I would go in and talk to organizations and, and talk to them about the, the people that were not just working across different office sites, but the people that were, were working from home or fully remotely, I talk about how it needed to be a controlled, seamless environment. So, uh, you know, in those eight years at Clorox, I always had two locked doors between me and my kids. My kids always had some sort of childcare. We made sure that things were really soundproof in my home office because for me, it was important that as I was working with the senior executives within the company, that they felt as if I was sitting at the table with them. They didn't feel like it was a distraction for me to actually not be there. Well, the pandemic kind of threw all of that out the window. (laughs) So, you know, I have two, two kids at home who are doing cyber school. And they need help sometimes. And I can only imagine with families who have young kids who don't understand boundaries and shouldn't understand boundaries and need help during the day, or families that need to help, you know, elderly family members with food shopping or just checking on them or people who have people sick in the household. So we have to start from a place of empathy and just understand that everybody is in their own unique situation, whether they're feeling really isolated because maybe they're single and at home alone versus other people who are are on the opposite end and are like (laughs) crammed into a small space with lots of people and need, and they actually need some space. So it's just starting from a place of empathy and knowing that this is not normal remote work. It's probably 10 times harder. Yeah. And then also knowing that this, this is more of a marathon than a sprint. So when this first happened, the pandemic hit back in March a lot of organizations that I was working with were saying, okay, well, like, what do we do to kind of like band-aid for the next couple of months, help our people band-aid for the next couple of months before we get back to normal? And I, I, I red flags went up for me right away because I, I, <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a longer term thing than, than some of these companies are thinking. Some of them were in a little bit of denial because they were really scared about kind of a sense of loss of control. Right. When um, then they, they couldn't, you know, their people weren't within earshot and eyeshot of, of the managers, for example. And so what I see as some of the greatest challenges is for those companies who still haven't kind of taken a step back, slowed down, you know, slow down to go fast in, in putting some foundations into place. So some of the organizations I work with, I'll work with their leadership teams on what are the new principles communication norms, new ways of working that we need to actually stop, slow down and create to make this sustainable long-term. Because what I, what I see happening, and I totally expected this, was that teams fell back on the two things that they knew how to do, which is send out meeting invites and mm-hmm. send emails. Right. And so what that's turning into is incredible amounts of meeting fatigue and email overload and it and it's it's leading to burnout if it already hasn't happened because there is something called remote worker guilt it's real 
people want to be able to show to their boss, to their managers, to their team that they are committed, that they are working. Mm -hmm. And that actually can backfire because then you, you get into burnout. So a couple of things to help. So as you were asking Eric about, you know, thinking through both for, for you know students or, or new hires and then and and even senior executives. So a couple of things um, for those that are starting at a new job, the first ninety days is always really important. And during a pandemic, as you start in a fully maybe even a fully remote team, it's going to be even harder. So when you come into that organization, you've got to know that you know I'm I'm going to guess. 80% to 90% of those managers of those new hires have never been trained on how to manage people remotely. So you have to go in knowing that this is going to be a little sticky at first right? because those managers are trying to get their feet under them as well. And as you come into the organization, you need to be aware of two unconscious biases that are that pop up in these remote and what, what are also called hybrid teams. So some of the organizations at this point are actually opening their offices again slowly. So you right. might have some people that are going back into the office, but some people that, that are still remote. And the two unconscious biases to know about are distance bias and recency bias. So distance bias is our brain's natural tendency to put more importance on the people and the things closer to us than those that are further away. So this pops up a lot when you're in a hybrid team or in a geographically distributed team with different office sites, like headquarters versus the satellite office or headquarters versus people who are fully remote, mm -hmm. where the people who are co-located in the majority are putting more value on the other people that are with them. So the point of view of somebody who's co-located with somebody else actually can have more value than somebody who is further away. Right. So you need to be really aware of when that's happening to put plans in, in to mitigate it. And the second one is recency bias, which is our brain's natural tendency to put more importance on the people and things we've heard from or seen more recently. So if you think about a fully remote team or a frog, where this pops up is, you know, say you're coming onto a team new and your manager has five direct reports and you're one of five. If you don't find a good way to keep a constant line of communication with your manager, this unconscious bias might pop up and they might be thinking about one of their other direct reports more than you. So new assignments that come through, new opportunities, it, it, they might go to these other people that have actually helped mitigate this bias. So that's one area. Anything you want to? Yeah, I think that's interesting. That? The, the, the unconscious bias, I think it's it's a real thing that a lot of, uh, I guess, new new marketers, uh, new hires uh, just are not aware of. But, uh, you know, unconscious bias, meaning the managers aren't aware that they're doing it themselves. So yeah. know, great tip for those that are just starting to, like, be proactive to take movement on staying top of mind and you know, not letting the distance feel like it's a thing that's going to, you know, keep somebody from contacting you. Because something we had talked about before is if your manager has five direct reports and they have one-on-one scheduled, one-on-ones scheduled via Zoom, uh, you know, you be the person that suggests having a phone call, um, you know, or, or something that is a little bit different in terms of ways to connect at different times uh, so that you stay top of mind, um, knowing that the manager as well is suffering from screen fatigue. Um, also. So yeah, I love the, the distance and the recency, you know, kind of nice little quick tips for someone to be aware of those, but then act on them. Right. And, and part of acting on that is, is kind of another 
the tip or framework that I want to provide is, is, is something that I teach ar- around called being at cause versus being at effect. Nice. So being at effect is when you start to feel like you're a victim of circumstance, like you're being whipsawed by the situation. Like this is something that comes up often in times of crisis, which we were kind of in right now. And if you're at cause, you might find yourself even saying things like, if only my boss would. So for example, if only my boss would have told me that that was going on, or if only my boss would have set up time with me to explain this. And this comes up often in remote, this comes up in any situation, but often in remote situations, because you, as a remote employee, you start to be behind kind of these virtual curtains and feel like you're being left out of things because of these unconscious biases. And this also comes up a lot for, for more junior people. So what, what I teach about is to try to move that mindset from being at effect to at cause. So seeing that you can actually have a role in changing the system. You can influence the business, the system, what's going on by speaking up. And so you need to come in and speak up and say, hmm, I'd, I actually d- don't know anything about this project. Can you help me? Can you give me some information? Can you point me to the person that I need to talk to about this? You can't suffer in silence. Because no one will pick up on those cues, right? If you're in an office building and you're struggling, there's those cues where a manager can pick up on maybe you're twirling your hair, you know, kind of like look and looking at you like you're in angst. First, but now they have none of those cues and context. Which also puts puts a little bit of onus on both sides when you talk about being at cause, where it's if you're a manager listening, you've got a marketing team and you feel like you're disconnected. Are you being aware of, are you encouraging your team to be at cause versus at effect? Are you listening for them saying, making excuses, gosh, you know, I didn't know about that meeting, whatever it is, take action, ask your team, you know, how can I help, right? Managers should be asking that of their team members, especially now. But on the other side, for the for the team member, it's almost as if, um, you know, the only, the only person that's going to help you is yourself and, you know, cause, you know, mindset is going to help, hopefully help somebody raise their hand, ask for help proactively. Uh, it's really, really, as you can imagine, as you've seen, it's probably one of the hardest things for someone to recognize is, you know, raising their hand to say, you know, I need help. Thus, I want to solve this problem as opposed to just, you know, being the, the, the victim of the circumstance, as you put it. Absolutely. Asking and giving help across distances is a really hard area and it's a really important area. It's one of the workshops that I do is specifically on successful remote reporting relationships. And usually I like to have both the managers and the direct reports together because then they hear all these frameworks and terms and, and tips together. And they leave that workshop having kind of a checklist of the things that they're going to go talk about directly with each other. Because this idea of, act, like you said, at cause versus at effect, if you teach the team this language, you can start to then have a conversation about when you see it's happening. And just, you know, when we hear from our audience, just those marketers that are in various positions and have been in those positions, you know, since March, just kind of what it's been like. And it's just a shame to hear that there's so many missed opportunities because, you know, teams, it sounds like a lot of teams could could benefit from your workshop of just having that conversation where making it um, each side accountable to know what to ask for, to follow that checklist, because here's what also is happening, um, you know, from, from what we're seeing from our audience is that 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 marketer is becoming disenchanted with what's going on here and, and off they go. And there could be a, a good team member that is now uh, looking for another job uh, only because it could have been solved by some uh, conversations and some recognition from 
management knowing that these pressures are falling and these these unconscious biases are, are happening uh, to save that that valued team member, which I'm sure you've seen yeah. some uh, retention issues with teams that are that have gone remote as well. Really good point about the retention and and retention is linked to engagement level and and typically actually a, one factor in improving employee engagement is providing a flexible work schedule is allowing remote work <laughs> and that the, there was a big study done by ADP research this was pre-pandemic that showed that allowing remote work actually increases employee engagement but the thing that actually improved employee engagement the most in this study and again engagement meaning not like I'm having fun at work but actually um, statistically linked to profitability of the company, retention of, of employees, and, and, and making business results was to be working on a team. So people who work on a team versus just individual work have higher engagement. But then working on a team and having deep trust in that team leader is what really moved the needle. And deep trust was, was defined as the, that the employees know what's expected of them from that leader and that leader is playing to one's strengths. And when I talk about remote work, one of the the big buckets uh, to be an effective virtual leader is expectation setting. It's being really deliberate and intentional in laying out how we're going to work together, what I expect of you, because again, you don't pick up on that organically. You don't have those contextual clues like you would in an office together. And so, as you were mentioning, it's really important for the managers to really now think about how intentional they need to be about setting expectations for their teams and building and driving a culture within their teams across that distance. Yeah, I mean, all, all really good points. I love the the focus on trust because, you know, in my experience, I've, I've only seen good relationships uh, evolve from being focused on trust, being vulnerable, and having um, uh, the right kinds of conflict. Um, all those things, but it, it, again, it just comes down to who's taking action uh, and, and who wants to address a solution uh, to a problem that, that managers may not even know exist, or they know they exist, but they just don't know what to do. Uh, so, good tips there. Now, one thing I want to focus on. So, go back. You know, you think about that um, the day to day experience of the remote team, and you know, teams have those virtual meetings that are scheduled. And we all have, whether it's the one-on-one meeting, whether it's the team meeting, whether it's the town hall, whatever that meeting is, you, know, you, you had mentioned you had a couple of tips for virtual meetings that uh, teams could, could keep in mind. So back to the fact, let's talk about meetings here. Back to the <laughs> fact that, that um, I'll get on my soapbox for a little bit. This is not normal remote work, right? Mm-hmm. This is extreme work-life integration that's happening right now. So every single minute of our time is even more precious than it was before. So, you know, as a parent, for example, every moment that I spend in a virtual meeting with a team is a moment that's taken away from me helping my kids with school, for example, or me checking in on my parents to make sure that everything is okay. So we have to kind of think about time is even more precious than ever before. And so I would say sometimes the best virtual meeting is the one that never occurs. Mm. So I I think it's always, you know, kind of my plea to everybody is before you hit send on that meeting invite that you sit and you think, do I need a live meeting for this? Is there, or is there another way I can actually get to the same outcome? 
So one of the best practices for the most effective virtual teams is actually having a combination of synchronous and asynchronous communication. So synchronous meaning live, real-time communication, asynchronous meaning not live, not real-time. Actually, some fully remote or frog organizations that have been have started up as frogs from the beginning lean really heavily on asynchronous communication, especially if you think about teams that are across different time zones. For most companies that got hit by the pandemic, they were highly synchronous organizations. Their culture was highly synchronous. And moving into this remote situation, they've been holding on to that. (laughs) And they actually need to think a little bit differently about um, including some asynchronous components. But let's get back to your original question, which is if I'm going to have a virtual meeting, what should I do? So, okay, you've, you've answered the question. Yes, I still need to have the meeting. So I suggest thinking through a five P's framework for your agenda build. So first of all, I work with some organizations that I love that they say no agenda, no meeting. So it's, if you put, if you put out an invite and you just put a title in there, other people can say, I'm not coming until you tell me what it is that we're going to cover and why I'm needed (laughs) in this Mm -hmm. meeting. So as, as the meeting facilitator, it's on you to create good, what, what I call good meeting hygiene. Mm-hmm. And so this five piece framework, the first is purpose. So why are we meeting? So usually people have got that kind of figured out. But the next one is, is the product. What is the, the specific intended outcome of the meeting? And pre- really get specific. So for example, if I was working, you know, leading a new product innovation team, and the, the purpose of the meeting was to talk about the timeline, the product would be we are we are done this meeting when we have completed the project timeline, creating it together, and we've identified the top three project risks and plans to mitigate them. So again, really specific about when do we know when we've achieved success in this meeting. Nice. The third one is process. So this is a facilitator thinking through how am I actually going to facilitate this meeting so that it is effective, efficient, inclusive, and engaging with with the team that's there. And so this is thinking through what technology tools am I going to use? How am I going to use this? How am I going to facilitate it so that everybody's voice is heard in the meeting? Again, virtual meetings are hard. It's not like, again, going in a a huddle room or a war room where sometimes you can pull that off a little bit more organically. You actually have to have a plan and a strategy when you get in that that meeting room. The fourth one, fourth P is people. So thinking about your invite list, who is the smallest group of the right people to include? Most organizations like to over-invite and then people are very polite about accepting the invitation. And then you have all these redundancies. You have you know, one, one person, a certain function and their manager together. So right. you've got all these redundancies. Really, you wanna get to a small group. There, there's research that shows that after eight people that the productivity of the meeting actually goes down. So trying to keep that small, don't have meeting tourists. This is something that McKinsey talks about. (laughs) Those people who are there just to like listen and watch, you want people who are adding value. And then the last P is the pre-work. So back to synchronous and asynchronous, your meeting should have a piece of asynchronous work to it. So what can be done ahead of time to make the, the time that you're together live actually focus on the debate, the decision-making, the, the additive ideation. 
because there can be things, pre-reads about background, things like that. Even for a brainstorm session, you can have people go into a kind of cloud-based software and start populating ideas ahead of time. You don't all have to be together live synchronous for this entire brainstorming process. So those are the five Ps, purpose, product, process, people, and pre-work. Love it. Love it. And you wonder, you know, for those, go back to the onboarding for the new hires uh, or, or marketers new in their position, but also to the managers. Uh, wow. That is an infographic. That is a piece of paper. That is uh, something as part of an onboarding packet that sets the expectation for any meeting that you're going to be joining. Check off these five boxes before attending. For any meeting that you're going to be facilitating, make sure you're checking off all these boxes before you send out the invite. So great, great framework to follow, especially <clears throat> like you said. It's it's different. Um, this is a different situation when it comes to virtual meetings, even more so. I love it. Meeting hygiene. Got to make sure that it's uh, it's clean and it's updated and it's going to be effective. So uh, great stuff there. Now, one last question here, just to kind of you know get us thinking, is based on what you're seeing and in the conversations you're having, what what does the virtual workforce work from home situation look like six to twelve months from now? Yeah, I think there's the midterm and the long term. So the yep. six to 12 months, I think, from what I'm seeing across organizations, is it, it's going to be this very uh, fluid situation between some organizations um, who are frogs right now or fully remote will are starting to slowly transition into a hybrid situation where, you know, one of one of the companies I'm working with, it's kind of this AB situation where one week half the team's allowed to go into the office if they want. Mm -hmm. The next week, the other team's allowed to go in for just three days at a time. So there, there's kind of the, this, this hybrid situation, which the hybrid situation is even harder. So if you're in a fully remote organization, you're at least all on an even playing field. So that distance bias, for example, actually gets kind of taken out of the equation. The recency bias is still there, but the distance bias is not. Right. When we get into these weird hybrid teams, this is even harder because then you have some people in the office who can like talk to each other across the cubicles, even if they're not allowed to be in a conference room together. There's still this ambient learning, this ambient discussion that happens in the environment that other people are not aware of if they're still working from home. I think longer term, the hybrid situation is actually what is going to be the majority of organizations moving forward. I think there are some that are pulling the trigger right now to say, we're going to become fully remote ongoing. We're going to mm -hmm. get rid of our real estate costs. I think mm -hmm. a lot of tech companies are thinking about it this way. But I think um, a lot of the more traditional organizations are still going to have some sort of component of location. And again, we need these leaders to be prepared and upskilled to be able to lead, communicate, influence in these hybrid organizations. I love it. And, and I guess the, the long term is the hybrid, which, again, just just even think through that, that it comes with probably all a whole new set of challenges that you're just starting to see now. And it's like, how, how do those exist, um, you know, after three, six, nine months but for the 100% remote teams, like you're saying, some of these tech companies are just offering, hey, we're remote forever. And while there is precedent and our companies that have done it, again, because this is a little bit different in terms of the catalyst that put us into this option to be fully remote, are 100% fully remote companies, in your opinion, uh, you know, sacrificing performance if they don't figure out a, you know, a, a new way or an effective way to manage 100% uh, remote. Because again, it wasn't their choice initially. 
they've been kind of put into this option. But do you think long-term, these companies that are deciding 100% uh, are losing and sacrificing performance? I think in the long, long term, no, because I actually think there's a lot of benefits to it, especially if you think about the talent market. Sure. If you if you move into a fully remote organization, you can get the best talent from anywhere. You no longer have these kind of geographic boundaries where is a lot of the tech companies, for example, being in the Bay Area, really high cost of living, sometimes hard to get people to actually move there. And sometimes the best talent is is located elsewhere. So I think long term, I think it's a positive in terms of employee engagement and and talent uh, acquisition even. But in in the intermediary between getting from here to there, it's going to be messy because you need to have a really strategic approach, not a Band-Aid approach. So it's a strategic approach to say, okay, our new workforce strategy is to be remote. To do that, what do we need? We need policies in place. We need processes in place. We need tech tools in place. We need skills and upskill skilling, learning and development programs in place to make this work. And that's what a lot of these organizations are in the process of putting that into place. But it's a huge change management process that is going to take some time. Mm. Yeah. And like what you said before about leadership upskilling, again, upskilling, meaning uh, there's a whole new set of skills that fall on the shoulders of those leaders to um, you know, kind of gut check yourself to say, yes, you need to, you need to be better as a leader r- managing remote or hybrid teams, whatever it is. Uh, but just again, great insights. Um, uh, so for our, our audience that want to learn more about uh, what you're doing, Virtual Work Insider, want to connect with you, maybe they have more questions. Uh, let us know what is the best way for our audience to connect with you? Sure. First, you can visit my company website, which is virtualworkinsider.com. There are some free resources that you can download there. So one of them of the resources includes a quick assessment tool. So you can see of these kind of top skill areas to be an effective virtual leader. Where do you fall in terms of your skills? You could have your team fill it out too. So you can start to identify some the gaps in terms of where you might need some support and you might identify some experts within your own team that actually could teach others. So that's one area. And you can also sign up for my e-newsletter there. And then follow me on LinkedIn. So almost daily, I am posting tips and best practices on virtual leadership and virtual work. And so that's Sasha, S-A-C-H-A, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R on LinkedIn. Got it. And we'll share all the links uh, just to help everybody else in the show notes. Uh, But thank you, Sasha. Great uh, tips. A lot of great insights here. uh, Great information. Listen, anybody listening here, there's a lot of things I believe you can act on immediately as it relates to improving your uh, remote work situation across teams or across distances. Uh, But again, thank you, Sasha, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. A big thanks to Sasha Connor again for joining the Marketing Careers podcast. Great information. Uh, Make sure to connect with Sasha on LinkedIn. Uh, Check out her daily post, weekly post. Great stuff. Also check out her company, virtualworkinsider.com. Now, ton of resources. I'll be linking you to in the show notes. So check those out as well. And listen, if you're struggling as a remote marketer and you want to be a guest, uh, love to hear your perspective. Got some, some content we're working on. Love to hear your perspective on that. Just shoot us an email at connect at themarketinghelp.co and just put the word guest in the subject line. And then we know uh, you heard this, you're interested in becoming a guest, you have experience as a remote marketer, you might be struggling uh, as a virtual marketer now. So just email us, let us know. 
if you're interested and we will be in contact. All right, until next time, this is your host, Eric Harbison. And remember, today is a great day to proactively advance your marketing career.